Proverbs and the scriptures will uh, be on the screen. Um, We have defined uh, what this series is about, which is wisdom. Uh, We've defined it as practical knowledge for living well. Uh, We want all of us, I assume, by virtue of our presence here, to honor God with our lives, uh, to live well in the world, to bless other people, to leave a legacy when we are gone, and wisdom shows us the way. And God, in His grace, has given us His wisdom, first and foremost, in the person of Jesus Christ, whom the Scriptures call the power of God and the wisdom of God. But also, God has given to us His wisdom in and through the written Word, through the Old and New Testaments of the Scriptures that reveal to us the wisdom and power of God in Christ. And Proverbs is a source of practical wisdom for life from the very source of wisdom and life. How amazing is that, that the God who is the source of life, the God who is Himself wisdom, has given to us a book in which He seeks to deliver to us His wisdom for life in this world. And so far this summer, we've seen that uh, we've been asking the question, what does wisdom require? And we've seen that wisdom requires that we kill our pride and cultivate humility, uh, that we recognize that our, our feelings, our emotions are real, but that we do not let them rule over us, uh, that we pursue a biblical family, recognize that our families are all broken, and receive a better family from the Lord, which God willing includes our earthly families. Uh, wisdom requires us to develop a new relationship with money, wherein we recognize that all the money belongs to the Lord, that He ordinarily provides it uh, through honest and hard work and in places where injustice or circumstances prevent that, uh, that the Lord provides through His church. That generosity is a blessing to us as we are the recipients of divine generosity in an extravagant way, uh, but then also through us as we share God's goodness to us with others and the resources that He has entrusted us with. And then lastly, that Money is not the real treasure. Possessions are not the real treasure. Jesus himself is the real treasure. And last week, uh, we, we saw that wisdom requires us to choose our friends carefully, to commit to them fully, and to care for them practically. This morning, uh, we're going to consider life and death in light of God's wisdom. Life and death in light of God's wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Life and death are major themes in our lives and human experience. Uh, all of us are constantly experiencing life and death. Um, they're always present around us as we welcome new lives into the world and say farewell to those who pass on. Uh, the reality is, though, that we fear death. We fear and despise death. And so we've come up with a number of ways, personally in our own lives and as a society and a culture, to distract ourselves from the reality that every single one of us will one day face death. Then also, um, all around us, we're presented with counterfeit versions of life. The good life and what it means. And so... It's really important for us who fear and despise death and try to run from it as far as we can. And those of us who have been presented with all these counterfeit versions of life to receive God's wisdom for life and death. So that to help us think about and interact with life, real life and death in a way that will enable us to live well in the world. The word life and live appear 56 times 
in the book of Proverbs, death and die occur over 20 times. So there are major themes in this book. And we're just going to be looking at a few verses uh, that will be on the screen. So we'll read those together. I've got to come over here now because we're having mic problems. Proverbs twelve twenty eight: In the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Proverbs 14, 12, 16, and 16, 25, in the exact same words, uh, say that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to what? Death. Proverbs 19, 16, whoever keeps the commandment keeps his what? His life, but he who despises his ways will die. Proverbs 10, 16, the wage of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of what? That one may turn away from the snares of what? Proverbs 13, 14. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. And Proverbs eleven thirty, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and whoever captures souls is wise. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's go to the Lord and ask for his help this morning. Oh, Lord, we thank you that you have inspired and preserved this word for us. Uh, Lord, that we might know you better. Lord, that you, the author, the source, the giver of life. uh, Lord, that your life might fill us up to overflowing. Uh, Lord, so we might share it with others. So this morning, I pray that you would give us your vision uh, for life and death. Through your word, and we ask these things humbly and expectantly in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I have it on good authority that you have heard a, a, a good number of sermon illustrations from a particular movie, so I waited three years to mention it. But in the film, The Shawshank Redemption, Andy Dufresne is incarcerated in Shawshank State Penitentiary in Maine. Uh, and he's sitting in the prison yard one day with his friend Red. So you got Andy played by Tim Robbins and Red played by the great Morgan Freeman. And Andy is sharing with Red his vision for his life in the future. Because right now they're living a reality of death in the state penitentiary. They are stuck. And for many years they're still going to be stuck. And yet Andy is talking about his hope for this idyllic life when he gets out, if he gets out, in Mexico, and uh, Red initially is engaged in listening to this vision, but then eventually he just gets discouraged, and he says, Andy, I, I don't think you should be doing that to yourself, because life is out there. Life is way out there, and you are stuck in here, where I am also stuck in here. And of course, Andy responds with the iconic quote, it all comes down to one thing, really. Get busy living or get busy dying. We tend to think of life and death in medical and bodily terms. There comes a time uh, in all of our lives where um, the things that we define as life, our brain waves, our heartbeat, our lungs uh, expanding, when all of these things come to an end. And as long as they're going, we're alive. But once those things cease, we're what? We're dead. But the way that Scripture talks about life and death is different from just a medical or a bodily understanding of it. Life in the Scriptures is more than a heartbeat and brainwaves, and death is more than a momentary event. 
Let's just start with the way the scriptures talk about death. Death is not what we often talk about it like uh, in our lives, where we say, well, death is just a part of life and it's something that we need to accept, it's something that we need to get used to. Absolutely not the way that the Bible talks about death. Death is the enemy. Death is an intruder on God's good creation. Death exists because of our rebellion and opposition to the God who is the very source of life. Death is not natural. Death is unnatural. Death is not the natural end to life. Life was always meant by God's good design in creation to last forever. It is sin that invited death into the world. And it is our enemy. And Jesus says about life that he came to give us life that we may have it abundantly. That, that life is not merely uh, our existence in this world. It's not our span of years on the earth. And death is not the momentary event of our passing. Life and death, according to God's word, are eternal domains of human existence. Think about that. Life and death do not end. They are eternal domains of human existence. And here's the really striking thing about the way the Bible talks about life and death. Not only are they eternal domains of human existence, but those eternal domains are at war in this world, in our lives. Death and life, good and evil, are at war. And Jesus said he came that you may have life and have it abundantly, that you may have a vitality that his life in you alone can produce. But death is all the time opposing life in Christ through temptation, through sin, and through foolishness. And for, for those of us who are in Christ, it all comes down to one thing, really. Are we going to get busy living or are we going to get busy dying? Because wisdom requires us to embrace the abundant life that God alone provides. Wisdom requires us to embrace the abundant life that God alone provides. But how? How do we embrace the abundant life that God provides? And how do we reject the encroachment of death? How do we beat back the advance of the enemy? Well, first, what we see here is we embrace the abundant life through relationship with God. God is the source and the giver of life. So we embrace the abundant life through relationship with God. Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. God is the only true source of life in the universe. All life comes from Him, is sustained by Him, and exists for Him. My question is, do you know Him? Do you have a relationship with Him? You were created to know Him. You were made in His image with the very vitality of the living and eternal God radiating into every part of your life. But, because of our rebellion against Him, because of your rebellion and mine, we invited sin and death to rob us of the abundant life for which we were created. 
So many times when we experience the realities of death in our lives, it's encroachment in our lives. It's it's right and good that we feel angry, that we feel sad, that we feel grief and loss and all the things that death brings because it is the enemy. But so many times I hear people blame God. God is sovereign and he let this happen. But in reality, it's we who signed up for all the ways that death intrudes in our lives. Sickness, suffering, fear, guilt, anxiety, shame, alienation, disorientation, sin. But the good news is, when we turned away from God, when we turned away from life eternal and toward death eternal, God refused to turn away from us. And instead, He turned toward us and He came for us to rescue us from death. That God, who is life, the eternal Son of God, came into this world as a human being. That He might experience life for us, death for us on the cross, and resurrection of that life so that we might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus comes to endure death for us so that His life can fill up our lives. And even when we die, even when we die, we step into the presence of the giver and the source of life and into eternal life itself. See, Jesus has taken the last enemy that was to to be defeated in His life and death and in His resurrection, and He has made this enemy to us simply a doorway that we walk through into eternal life and into His presence. Amen? Knowing God through faith in Christ is the beginning of the abundant life. You cannot have abundant life in this world apart from knowing the God who is the giver and sustainer of life. But life, abundant life, doesn't stop or stagnate with simply beginning to know Him. The reality is we will never know all there is to know about God. We will never exhaust the riches of His nature and His character and the implications that they have for our lives. And growing in relationship with the Lord, growing in life as we grow in relationship to the Lord of life, that doesn't happen merely as individuals. It's a group project. Proverbs 13, 14 says, The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, and the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death to help us grow in our relationship with the Lord, to help us grow in our fear of Him, our acknowledgement of Him, our love for Him, our revering of Him and living for Him. God has given us the gift of His church. Wisdom. The abundant life that God provides requires not only relationship with Him, but also relationship with those who fear Him. Wise believers will invest in our lives. They will teach us more about God, help us to follow Him, and model for us the abundant life that is available to us in Christ as we press further and further into relationship with Him. This weekend we had our our starting point class and we had uh, just several people come together to find out more about our church and about what it means to be a member of our church. And we'll have another one of those uh, hopefully next month or the month following August or September so that more of you who have been attending but aren't yet members uh, can find out about that. But during that class I always love hearing the stories of how people who were once not in relationship with God 
are drawn close by the Lord, are drawn into relationship with the Lord by His grace. They were dead in their sins, and God made them alive together with Christ. And I also love to hear from that point on how they have grown in Christ and how the abundance of their life in Christ has expanded through the influence of wise teachers. Their wise teachers have been a a fountain of life to them in relationship to the Lord. Just this weekend, I heard about mothers and Sunday school teachers, about pastors and about senior saints and the influence they had on the lives of other believers. For our wisdom and for our abundant life, the Lord has given us the good gift of His church. The church of the Lord of life ought to be the place where life seems the most abundant and full and blessed. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of life, ought to be the place where we just feel so full of life. Our lives are full. Our lives are blessed. Our lives are abundant because of who Christ is and what He has done for us. We ought not look the same as the world. We ought to look different. And that look ought to be abundant life. Are we the aroma of Christ in a dying world? We embrace the abundant life through relationship with God and with His church. The second thing that we see here is we embrace the abundant life through walking the path of righteousness. Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it is the way to death. Proverbs 12.28, In the path of of righteousness is life. In its pathway there is no death. Proverbs 19.16, whoever keeps the commandment keeps his life. Whoever, uh, who, who despises his life, I'm sorry, who despises his ways will die. Proverbs 10.16, the wage of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. And I want to be, I be very clear here that the Bible does not say um, that you need to be wise and that you need to be good. And if you will do those things, then you will have eternal life. And the issue of your eternal life does not depend on your righteousness. And isn't that good news? Because if it did, none of us would have any hope. The abundant and eternal life that God has for us does not depend on our righteousness. It depends on the righteousness of Jesus Christ alone for us. But every day we live in this world, we will choose either to walk in the righteousness that has become our new identity in Christ, or we will choose to go down the path of our own wisdom, which leads to death. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. We will either choose every day to get busy living or to get busy dying. When we choose to hear God's word, when we choose to trust Him, to obey Him, we are choosing abundant life. When we choose to listen to ourselves, our flesh, when we choose to listen to the world, when we choose to listen to the evil one, we are choosing death. Just as an exercise of application, what I would recommend uh, that we all do today is go to Matthew chapter 5 and read verses 5, I'm sorry, chapters 5, 6, and 7. It's Jesus' Sermon on the Mount because there you will see a contrast, what it looks like to choose life instead of death. For instance, When we do not choose forgiveness and reconciliation for those who have sinned against us, 
we choose death. Don't you know that? Don't you recognize the times in your life where you have held a grudge, where you have held someone's sin against them, whether they've repented or whether they haven't, and how that has been poison to your own soul? Not forgiving, not reconciling, not being, as far as it depends on us, but at peace with everybody, that's choosing death. But when we extend forgiveness, when we extend reconciliation to those who have offended us, we choose life. When we choose lust over love, We choose death. When we choose to use someone as an object for our pleasure, rather than self-sacrificially loving them, we choose death. And that way leads ultimately to death. And it happens in our culture again and again and again and again. When we choose to love someone rather than to use them, we choose life, both for us and for them. When we choose vengeance, And retaliation, we choose death. We choose to turn the other cheek. When we choose to go the extra mile with someone who has already compelled us to go one. When we choose to give our our cloak when they demand our tunic, we choose life. When we choose to hate our enemies, we choose death. We choose to love our enemies and bless those who persecute us, we choose life. When we choose to withhold resources from those who need them, we think we're choosing life, but we're actually choosing death. When we choose to live with an open hand toward those who are in need, we choose life, both for them and for us. When we choose worry and control instead of prayer, we choose death. But when we are not anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, when we make our requests known to God, He gives us the peace that surpasses all understanding. He guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, and we choose life. When we hoard treasure on earth, we choose death. But when we store up for ourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, we choose life. We embrace the abundant life through relationship with God, through Jesus Christ, and relationship with His church. We, we embrace the abundant life by walking the path of righteousness. And the last thing that we're going to see here is that we embrace the abundant life by sharing that life with others. We embrace the abundant life by sharing life with others. Proverbs 11.30 The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. Another way of translating this would be to say, whoever wins souls is wise. Brothers and sisters, we are called to invite others into the abundance of life in Christ that we ourselves enjoy. How do we talk about that here at Back Creek? We exist to connect people with the hope of the gospel. As we grow in life and vitality in Christ, as we walk further down the path of righteousness, as we deepen in our relationships with God, the life that is in us becomes obvious to others. We become a blessing to them. They start to want to actually be around us, and they begin to have questions that only the good news about Jesus has an answer for. In Christ, we start out as a sprout, but God's will for us, the abundant life that God has for us, is that we would grow into towering oaks of righteousness, 
a tree of life in our community and our lives then provide shade for our neighbors. And they start to wonder, man, this is nice. Where did this tree come from? And they begin to ask you questions about where the life in you comes from. And I would just ask you, does that happen in your life? Do you have unbelieving people, people who are yet dead in their sin, people who are far from Christ, asking you questions about where the life in you comes from? Because it is then that we have the opportunity to capture souls, to win people to and for Christ, to watch people be brought from death to life by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in Matthew 4.19, He's calling the apostles to follow Him. And He calls out to them, He just simply says, Follow Me. And in saying, follow me, Jesus is inviting them into life. He's inviting them into relationship with God, the only source of life in the universe. And he invites them to walk down the path of righteousness with him. He is our righteous Savior. And so he's saying, follow me on the path of righteousness and in relationship with God. But he doesn't just say, follow me. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you Fishers of men. Jesus says, follow me into relationship with God. Follow me down the path of righteousness and I will. Not I might. Not if if you have the gift of evangelism. If you have a passion for lost people. If maybe you get your life uh, fixed up to a certain particular point. No, he says, if you follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. Jesus says, if you will follow me, You will become someone who has life in you and leads others to life in me. Are you in relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ? Are you following Jesus down the path of righteousness? Does your life right now reflect the profession of faith that you make with your mouth? And are you sharing the life of Christ with others? These things together are the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. And my only question for you is, are you going to get busy living? Or are you going to get busy dying? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our God and our King, you are the source and the giver of all life. Lord, forgive us. That we look to find life. We look to find the abundant life in so many things that are not you. And all we find are dust and death. And so, Lord, I pray uh, for your people now that you would call us deeper into relationship with you. That you would call us into deeper righteousness as we seek to follow Jesus. That you would call us into sharing the abundant life with other people so that we ourselves might have that abundant life. That our joy may be in you and that our joy may be full. Lord, how can it be that we are a people who have received the gift of abundant and eternal life that we not share that with others? So, Lord, even now, I pray that you would fill us up to overflowing with the life that only you can give, Lord, and that it would spill out onto our neighbors, onto our family, onto our coworkers, onto the people in our community. Lord, that we might connect people faithfully with the hope of the gospel, and that we might see your church and your kingdom grow in this place. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.